could this be? <laughs> Harry Houdini? Good morning, good day, and good evening to you all. And good night. Good night. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Welcome to episode nine of the Insomnia Reports. Ooh. Almost to the big one, one oh, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. We yeah. have a, today's the cat life episode. Nine okay. lives. Oh. I don't know where I was going with that, but... Anyway, yeah. hi. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, if this is your first episode, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. Thanks for listening. I'm Margot. And I'm Elizabeth. This is the Insomnia Report. Today we are discussing paranormal stories. Round three. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. Wow. Wow. <laughs> If you guys hear strange noises in the background, it's probably our radiator. His name's Randy. Yeah, and he's he's obnoxious. He's a sassy one. He likes to be heard. So yeah. it's that time of year we have no control over our heat. Uh, we are at the will of our building and whatever the radiators decide to turn on. So it's been freezing. Yeah, it's really cold in here. Like, I guess all that, day. Yeah, that's, I guess I'm jumping to it. That has what? Is has kept me up so night. <laughs> that is what has kept me up at night. Oh, the cold or the radiator? Well, kind of both. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What kind of noises has he been making? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Do you think there's a message in there somewhere? Like, is it like parcel tongue or something is trying to to communicate with you? Um, I think it's saying, help me. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just saying, like, good night. <laughs> you know what? I, I like, like that better. You bitches are cold. <laughs> Here, I'll keep you warm. <laughs> Thanks, <Ha>! Randy. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> oh, Jesus uh, Christ. It's going to be one of those. Okay. I'm going to light the candle. <laughs> okay. Will, will you please tell me what has kept you up this week? It, it's nothing. Um, it's nothing crazy. I, I've i been awake because I had and I'm continuing to have <laughs> really bad stomach aches because I bought I bought a can of chocolate covered almonds oh, yeah. from my friend Kirsten. Thank you, Kirsten. Um, sponsored by the Girl Scouts. You OK? Yeah, we're just helping young entrepreneurs. Yeah, and I ate like over half of them in like an hour, and I've been eating them all day, and I can't help it, but it it puts makes me I feel like I'm in pain, <laughs> but they're really good. Poor baby. So yeah, I yeah I found today when I was at work. That sounds weird. I was sitting at my work desk. <laughs> I work at home like all the time, not even when we're on a lockdown. 
and I was just having my head on my desk and Elizabeth is like are you okay and I'm like all I've eaten is like the chocolate from the Girl Scouts and I haven't eaten any like actual foods my body's like why are you doing this to me only chocolate and coffee that's basically what I live off of yeah yeah so coffee coffee I'm obsessed with coffee anyway I'm gonna light the candle okay Ooh, big flame there for the record, though, we normally drink tea while we record, so... We always do, right? Yeah. Yeah, like we haven't done anything other no than... No coffee, no alcohol. Well, it's mainly because we record late at night, because that's, like, the only time we do, or, you know, sometimes we record really early in the morning, depending on the day. Um, yeah. Um, but no, we have not tried drinking during this, I think. Yeah. I'm already worried about how I say my words i guess so i don't want to be like that that, that will witchcraft or whatever what kind of tea are you drinking right now it's called dream it's from tazo and it's very Uh good it has like hints of vanilla and almond and a bunch of other good stuff i don't know but it's really good what about you sounds good i'm drinking a vanilla almond white tea oh so very similar yeah it's i don't it's not my favorite though it kind of, I mean, it's it's fine. It's good, but it's not what I was expecting. Mm, I see. Well, but it's okay. Oh, well, sometimes it's like that, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so on paranormal days, you go first. So yeah. would you like to tell me something spooky-ooky? Yes. I will. So when researching this story, I got really nostalgic because it's about a nightclub and I don't even like nightclubs, but, like, the idea of being in a building with a bunch of other people, like, dancing and, like, eating and drinking, you know, yeah. is, like, really nice. Well, maybe because we've been isolated. It's just been <laughs> you and me. Like, do you want to go dancing? We can make our apartment. And then- <laughs> like, no, to, in, like, a separate location. Well, okay. You know? Well, You've been on like a, a paranormal ghosty dance kick. Like last paranormal story, you talked about the Mary who yeah. liked to go dancing. It's unintentional, mm. but yeah, yeah. So I'm going to talk about Excalibur Nightclub. Have you heard of it? I don't think so. Okay. It sounds familiar, but actually, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I think my parents may or may not have gone there. Cute. At some point in the past. <laughs> in the distant past. Yeah, long time ago. Excalibur. Excalibur? Yeah. Okay. Well, so Excalibur Nightclub was in this building, but the building itself has had many uses. Okay. Okay. This building is called the former Chicago Historical Society Building. Okay. And it's on the northwest corner of Dearborn in Ontario at 632 North Dearborn. And you've probably actually seen it before because I've walked by it like a bunch of times. I used to work near there. It's near the Hard Rock Cafe and the McDonald's. This is so weird Yeah. because when my mom was driving me home from my surgery, she pointed it out and she's like, oh, I went there once and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it was haunted or because well, it no, was a club? She, was, she said that she went there when I was in nightclub. It, it's like now Tao, right? Yeah. 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 Um, she said that she just felt like it was a giant fire hazard. That's how I feel about the Metro, too. Mm. 
Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not going to go down that, that uh-uh. path. Not today. Not going to okay. not gonna hate on the Metro. I, I, like I was like, metro. wait, that sounds so familiar. That's so weird. I was literally just. That is weird. Here's a picture of it just to jog your memory. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. cool. Okay. So the building was built in 1892 and designed by Henry Ives Cobb. Who was an architect? Ice Cobb? Ives. <laughs> like a frozen piece of corn? <laughs> um, no. Okay. Close, but no. <laughs> Almost, but not quite. So Henry Ives Cobb designed it in the Richardson Romanesque style, Ooh. which I, I like that doesn't really mean anything to me, but <laughs> I, sorry, architecture people. Some sources say it was built as a like gigantic home for a guy named Walter Loomis Newberry. Okay. AKA of the Newberry Library. Oh. But also I think it I don't think that's true. Like I think it was actually built for the Chicago Historical Society. So okay. I don't know. It has historical society like engraved or like carved above the door. Mm-hmm. And like it has a plaque. No, no, it's like a it's like chiseled in the stone. Oh. Because it's a big like granite building it's made out of stone right okay so the chicago historical society is aka the history museum they changed their name later but it's the same thing so the historical society had a different building at the same site but it burned down during the chicago fire of 1871 so the original building was built there in 1865 and it was advertised to be fireproof, which is ironic. And just like, you know, how the Titanic was unsinkable. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't trust that. This is why I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So it was advertised as fireproof because they really needed to protect their artifacts and stuff because they're a museum, obviously. People thought it was one of the only fireproof buildings um, in the area, in the downtown area. Apparently, the building manager paid extra for quote-unquote fireproof insurance, but then never actually, like, fireproofed the building. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, not not really surprised. Was that for, like, a fraud thing? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. It's Chicago. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? That's why they call it the Wayne Lee's Garden. I don't know. So they thought it was fireproof. And so during the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, which burned like a gigantic chunk of the city, if you didn't know that, it's one of the big events in Chicago's history because most things back then were made of wood. Right. So people were like, oh, this gigantic building is fireproof. And so they they brought all their, like, valuables there. Oh. And then they hid inside the building because they're like, oh, it's fireproof, but it will be safe in this building. Wait, so they brought their artifacts and they themselves hid in the building or they hid their artifacts in the building? Both. Okay. So people were bringing, like, their valuables with them. Okay. And then they would go also and, and like, hide in the building, but then it burned down. Oh, and the caretaker of the building, he survived by jumping out of the second story window. Oh, good. And before he jumped, he saw three women run inside the building 
just before the fire like engulfed the whole building oh no and they were never seen again no so those are a couple of the early deaths at the location so these three women were killed and i don't know exactly i don't know if more people were killed in the building or not i'm not sure okay but there are at least those three okay and then so they rebuilt the building in 1892 out of granite and now i guess randy randy there he goes he wants to make his voice heard you know i i jinxed it because the other day i was like i'm surprised randy hasn't like he's been good oh and he stopped thanks thanks randy okay (laughs) (laughs) there he goes okay sorry no you're fine so these three women were confirmed dead yes Okay, so then it was rebuilt in 1892 out of granite. So this time it's hopefully really fireproof, but you never know, I guess. But then the Chicago Historical Society, a.k.a. the History Museum, moved its headquarters to Lincoln Park in 1931, Hmm. and that's where the museum is currently. And a lot of sources point to that and they're like they moved in 1931 for no known reason trying to make it mysterious like like ominous like the ghosts kicked them out or something (laughs) but (laughs) scram but actually they just raised a lot of money to build like a huge museum yeah well i mean lincoln park is swanky yeah and it's a really nice museum if you're ever in chicago highly recommend visiting when it's open yeah So after the Historical Society moved, a bunch of different occupants were in the building. There was a magazine publisher, the Works Progress Administration, the Loyal Order of Moose. Okay. Don't don't know what that is, but I I like it. Um, (laughs) I'm for it. I like Moose. The Chicago Institute of Design, recording studios in the 50s and 60s, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. And then since 1985, it's been basically like only nightclubs. Interesting transition, but okay. Yeah. So it's housed a few different nightclubs, but the most well-known ones were Excalibur and Vision. They opened together in 1989. They were quote-unquote sister clubs where they were in different parts of the building fun fact they were the largest non-hotel entertainment facility in chicago Hmm. when they opened so it was a big deal so vision was a huge nightclub that had i think three levels in different rooms and stuff with different music like hip-hop and house music and stuff Mm -hmm. Rihanna played there. Oh, really? One time, apparently. Yeah. And it's just like a really, yeah, really well-known club. So the Chicago Bar Project described Excalibur's crowds as a commingled horde of young suburbanites, 40-year-old divorcees, tourists, and conventioneers. So, a, a, a diverse group. <laughs> yeah. One Yelp review said Excalibur is where the people in town to be on the Jerry Springer show end up. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. So. That, well, that's actually a really good description. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Did you find that yourself? No, no. It's, they oh, okay. put, it's on the Chicago Bar Project gotcha. website. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was Excalibur and Vision. And then they closed in 2012 mm. after like 20 plus years of being clubs, which is kind of cool. And it was remodeled as Castle Chicago. It cost $3 million to remodel it. And it had also a bunch of different nightclubs and like bars and stuff inside. And then in 2014, it wasn't Castle Nightclub anymore. And I don't know. It it kept being remodeled. And then it reopened in 2018 as Tao. Mm Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, which is like an Asian-themed nightclub slash restaurant. And lots of famous people came to the opening of Tao. I think one of the Kardashians came. Huh. And one of the Cubs players, whose name I don't remember, came. Rizzo, Bryant, mm, Schwarber. John Lester. Lester. Okay. 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 So a Kardashian and... Yeah, so it reopened in 2018 as Tao, and lots of famous people came, including Kourtney Kardashian and John Lester, the pitcher for the Cubs. Hey. And it seats like 270 people, which you're right, it does, your mom's right, it sounds like a fire hazard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the ghosts. Okay. I can't wait. Oh, I forgot oh. to mention, sorry. <laughs> um, I don't think he does this in there anymore, but there's this guy named Neil Tobin, Neil Tobin, who describes himself as a necromancer. What? What? So, like, someone who talks to the dead. Okay. I guess. But he's also just sort of, like, a magician. Oh. He seems cool. A he man of cool. many talent. I'd hang out with him. I'd yeah, ha- yeah. I'd have a beer with him. He's, like, a couple of years older than my dad. Oh, okay. But he had a show, a weekly one-man show in the building on Fridays called Supernatural Chicago. Also, he did a yearly seance where they would, I don't, this is, I don't know why, but um, a yearly seance where they tried to contact Harry Houdini. Ooh. Yeah. I love that. Love that journey. It's pretty cool. A lot of people are like, did the building change hands so many times because of ghosts? Could this be (laughs) Harry Houdini? Zach, (laughs) Zach came out. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Also, it's just like a really old building. Right. And it's huge. So like, yeah, huge. things are going to, it's huge. Things are going to happen. You know, businesses are going to come and go. Right. Like anything. Right. So I'm not necessarily like swayed by that. But anyway, so the hauntings. Dun, dun. So I already talked about the women who died in the fire mm-hmm. in the location once it burned down. It's also rumored to have been a makeshift morgue for the Eastland disaster. Ooh. Do you know about the Eastland disaster? No, tell me. Well, this is going to be probably another episode because it's, it's a, like a super intense story. But Was in, it the ship? Yeah. Okay. So in 1915, the SS Eastland was docked in the Chicago River. And it was going to, it was like a business picnic or something or like boat ride for... An electric, I think Western Electric, I have to double check, but people were like getting on the boat to go on this 
fun company day and it rolled over in the river and 844 passengers and crew were killed Mm. and it's one of the worst great lakes disasters ever yeah so yeah they had like almost 900 bodies that they had to put somewhere and so there's this rumor that it was a makeshift morgue but actually there's no documentation for that okay like they have documentation for other buildings where they know they brought bodies Mm -hmm. but not any for that building so it's a rumor it's a rumor it's yeah there's also a rumor that a wealthy lawyer bought the building and made it into a mansion and then he hung himself like in the the top floor called the dome room but also there's no record of that either Okay. So I think people just, you know, make stuff up. Sure. But there is a lot of documented ghostly activity there. Also, another one is coming a little bit full circle here. Resurrection Mary hey. has been known to appear. She loves her dance clubs. Yeah, so. <laughs> she loves she loves going out. I'm curious as to which room she prefers, the house music room or the hip-hop room <laughs> or... Yeah. What is what is Mary like to listen to? I feel like she has a wide taste, you know? She yeah. she's, she goes where the the beat is, you know? Right. Right. Whatever. She's a dancer, a true dancer. Dancing at heart. Queen. Mm-hmm. According to employees in the building, they have fallen down the stairs for no reason. <laughs> Candles light and extinguish themselves. Okay, interesting. Wine taps will turn on by themselves, bottles will break, and people have seen apparitions of a man in a tuxedo, Mm. a woman in red, and a little girl. There's always a woman in red or a woman in white. Mm -hmm. And there's always a little girl. So, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast or I know I've talked to you about it, but whenever there's a child ghost, I 100% more hate it. Because it's just so extra creepy to me. Yeah. It's just extra sad because it's a child. And then it's like I've heard so many times that if there's a child ghost, it's probably more likely to be a demon because then you want to help it more. And that's how it lures you in. Anyway. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I hate that. (laughs) Don't love it. Don't love it. Okay. Um, So visitors have also heard children crying Mm. they have had difficulty breathing in the dome room where the lawyer has been rumored to have hung himself apparently the dome room is like a hot spot for paranormal activity Mm. and they've also felt a heavy energy Mm. and ghost adventures also filmed an episode in the building zach Bagans said that he was pushed down the stairs by an unseen force. Okay. I'd pay big money to see that. Well, we can watch this episode (laughs) after we record. That was rude. I I don't wish harm on anyone. Go on. (laughs) Yeah, but we know he's fine. We know he's going to be dramatic about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. People have also been pushed over railings. Which sounds really violent. That's horrible. And there's this one candle that's really high up on a wall, like out of reach for people. Jesus Christ. Randy. Randy, that was not nice. (laughs) 
Come on, man. Come I, on. I actually like. Yeah, he. No, that happens to me too. Just like in the middle of the night, it'll start like, and I'm like. I remember like last year, I literally woke up at 3 a.m. to him hissing, and it like I was like kind of disoriented still. So I was like, "What the f-? like?" Yeah, and I like. Like, grab my phone, and I'm like, it's going to be 3 a.m. I know it. And, like, I looked, and it was, and I'm like, eh. He's playing with you. He's messing with your head. He's like a little, Don't give in. He's like a, he's like a brother who's like, hey, hey, I know how to push everybody. Yeah. Ian. All right, go on. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. 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 <laughs> so, this candle is so high up and can't be reached without a ladder, and it'll, like, randomly ignite. Mm. Which is... Also, like, having real candles in inaccessible locations in a nightclub seems dangerous, but whatever. Yes, I concur with that thought. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Indubitably. Indubitably. There's also a ghostly woman who descends the stairs. Glass will shatter in the middle of the night without tripping off the motion detectors. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of cold spots. Chilly. Yeah. And another pot- potential source of ghostly activity is, have you heard of Gene LaLime? I, th- I may have told you about him before, but this is an episode. This is a subject for another episode, but he is said to be Chicago's first documented murder victim. And it's a whole thing. It's a whole story. <laughs> Very political, actually, and um, like a huge cover-up that kind of continues to this day. Anyway, his bones were found in the 1890s when someone was doing construction downtown, and they somehow confirmed it was him, and they put his bones in the History Museum. Okay. So he was his bones were in this building for a long time, and the History Museum still has his bones. They move them back and forth between the museum and, like, a warehouse in the suburbs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's really interesting, and I'll go into it another time. But, okay. yeah, so that's, he could also be a potential ghost. Well, yeah, like, if, if my bones kept getting moved around in that fashion, yeah. I would also be like, can you please just, like, pick one? Right. Right. Yeah, they were, like, violently dug up and then displayed. Right. Right, like that's so, the other thing. Yeah, that's one of Chicago's haunted locations. The Excalibur slash the Chicago Historical Society building. Yeah, that's perfect. It. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Tell me something scary. All right. Student loans. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> That's my episode. <laughs> That's all, folks. That's all. Hang on to your hat. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to take you back to a simple time of 1804. It's a long time ago. Indeed, it was. <laughs> we are in northern Robertson County in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Here, we find a farmer named John who lives on 320 acres of land, along with his wife, Lucy, and their children. For a while, they live a pretty peaceful life until about 1817, when strange things start happening around their farm. 
members of the family start seeing weird animals throughout the property. John, the, the father, saw a creature that resembled a black dog with the head of a rabbit. John shot at it, but it disappeared. Wow. Mm-hmm. John's son, Drew, saw a bird perched on a fence, and he quoted that it was an extraordinary size. Like, it wasn't, like, the size of a normal bird, and then it flew off. Uh, the family did have a slave. His name was Dean. Mm-hmm. And he reported being followed by a large black dog at nighttime. The Grim. The Grim. You have the Grim. Okay. Um, <laughs> the daughter even saw a woman that was in a green dress that was swinging on the limb of an oak tree or even walking around the grounds. That's so creepy. Eventually, activity started to develop more so at night and around the house, more so than on the property. So the family would hear knocking sounds on the doors and as well as the outer walls of the house. And eventually it picked up and got more aggressive, so the knocking turned into pounding. Oh, I hate that. I Mm -hmm. hate that so much. I hate it too. Especially because, you know, they are on so much land and it was back before you had like really close neighbors and mm-hmm. oh my God. so eerie. Oh, this would it's happen. It's giving me the shivers. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Get your sage ready. Okay. okay. I have it. I have it. <laughs> it's right there. Right there. Um, always have it handy, folks. And that's rule number one of this podcast. <gasps> After a while, activity would then move to inside the house so Mm. first it started with they would see like weird things on the property and then things on the outside of the house so the doors and the walls so inside the house there was gnawing sounds on the bedpost the sounds of chains being dragged across the floor there would be the sound of invisible dogs fighting Uh, stones or objects being dropped on the floor. The families would hear whispers throughout the house. Sometimes they would speak in musical tones or in reverse speech. The whispers? Yes. Which is horrible. (laughs) I hate hate that. I hate it so much. They would also hear sounds of gurgling, uh, gulping, or choking. Oh, my God. So, gurgling, gulping, or choking. It's hard to say three times in a like. Next. Yeah. Anyway. Drew, their son, would go to sit down, and then the chair would be kicked out from under him. Yikes. So, eventually things then progressed to become physical. Things were thrown across the room, bed sheets were pulled when the children were sleeping, and their hair would get pulled or they would get scratched. Whatever entity was there seemed to attack their daughter, Betsy, the most because she was pinched, slapped, uh, stuck with pins, and then she would have bruises or claw marks all over her body, which is horrible. Again, like absolutely horrible. horrible. Nothing about this is fun. (laughs) No. The family didn't know what to do. And I mean, this was 125 years after the Salem witch trials, they... uh, you know, they were part of a Baptist church, uh, and they didn't want to tell anyone because they didn't know what their community would think of them. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's not like you could just go to Reddit and be like, hey, I think my house is haunted. <laughs> like, what do I do? John, the father, decided to confide to their neighbor and his friend John Johnson. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. James Johnson. Okay, I was going to say, is everyone named John? <laughs> John, John Boy? John. John. I'm John, John and my neighbor is John Johnson. Well, John has a son named John Jr. <laughs> So there's John, John Jr., James Johnson. Anyway. Okay. Okay. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> so uh, he confided to his his friend James Johnson. So James and his wife stayed for a few nights, and they were they too were awakened by the same type of activity, and they were convinced that John needed to get extra help. Like this is something that you right. need to reach out for help. You need for. a priest, man. Yeah. So James. You know, when the activity was happening, he even stood up in the middle of the night and said, in the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? But he got no reply. So John and James went to local preachers for help and all the men decided that they would, you know, keep this to themselves and they wouldn't like try to solve it. However, several different sources stated that weeks later, People from all over would travel to the family's house and to see what was terrorizing the families for themselves. So, sorry, you said they went to talk to priests? They went to talk to priests. Okay. So, James and John went to go talk to priests, and they found, like, two of them that would try to help them, and they all agreed they would keep it to themselves. Oh, okay. And just Mm -hmm. be like, okay, we'll try to resolve this, or, you know, we'll bless the house, whatever. But eventually, some people around town or whatever town they, I don't know, like how close they were to town. They were in a farm area mm-hmm. and it was in the 1800s. So like, I, you know, I people you from mean. all over started yeah. like bopping around and, and checking out the house uh, to see what was going on for themselves. So I guess like rumors started to spread. Because people were given the house and the land like more energy it seemed that the entity started to get even stronger because it started to develop a voice so it was speaking to oh them. no the spirit even started to mock the preachers and intimidated them in one instance the entity said a sermon that occurred simultaneously 13 miles apart so it like it was being preached 13 miles away and the entity was saying it verbatim. How did they know that, though? Because the uh, there was two priests, and one of them knew what the sermon was. Oh. So he was able to verify it. So weird. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. When asked who the entity was, again, the voice said, I'm a spirit. I was once happy, but I have been disturbed. <laughs> can, can relate. <laughs> I was, I too was happy, and then I, I was got happy. older. <laughs> I was happy, and then I was born. Okay. Oh. Oh. No, I don't mean it. Okay. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes the voice was low and melodic, and other times it was a shrill screech. <laughs> so in one case, it said that it claimed to be a Native American spirit whose grave had been disturbed by the children. A different time, it said it was 
a woman by the name of Kate Batts. Do you know this story? Hmm. Okay. It sounds it sounds vaguely familiar, mm-hmm. and I think I've heard it before, but I don't remember anything about it. So, so one article quoted the entity saying, "I am old Kate Bat's witch here to torment old John Bell to his <gasps> okay, grave and straight gonna... to hell." Okay, this is the story I... of the Bell Witch. Could this be? Could this be? What is this Bell Witch? <laughs> For those of you who have never seen that episode of Ghost Adventures, it's hysterical. It was like the first episode Elizabeth and I watched together when we first moved to our apartment. And the way Zach Bagans emphasizes his words, he's like, what is this bell witch? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So at the very beginning when you were talking about weird animals, I for like a second, I was like, could it be the bell witch? And then I was like, I don't know. So, okay. Ooh. Yeah. I, I... thought about saying it like right off the bat but i kind of wanted to like see if yeah anyway okay no i'm glad you did it that okay. way so yes she said a cute little rhyme she said i am old kate bat's witch here to torment old john bell who to his grave and straight to hell so i don't know if that was like actually what she said or if it was like made into a cute little poem to rhyme. <laughs> yeah that's cute <clears throat> so kate eventually then said that her intentions were to kill john bell Rumors started to spread, people started talking about it, and eventually it reached Andrew Jackson, as in President Andrew Jackson. Wow. But this was before he was a president, and it was during his military days. So he heard rumors of the hauntings, and eventually him and his man wanted to come and see it for himself. So when Jackson and his men got to the property line, the horses refused to move, and the wagon would not budge despite how much force they used to try to get the wagon to move. It just, it wouldn't. It's like the wheels locked in place. The Bell Witch knew that Andrew Jackson was a gigantic ass. Well, yeah. So (laughs) good on you, Kate. But (laughs) Wow, that's so weird. Mm -hmm. So Jackson said, quote, By the eternal boys, it is the witch. And they all simultaneously heard a voice that said, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. And after that voice, the wagon and horses could move again. So they went, they continued to the house? Yeah. Okay. Dumbass. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when him and his men were at the house, one of the people with Jackson claimed that he was like a witch hunter and he had a silver bullet in his pistol or whatever gun he carried and he's like oh like i'm not afraid of this witch and <laughs> sorry sorry to interject i just had this thought of like some guy in the bachelorette and it like says his name and then his job title is witch hunter and he comes in with like a gun he's like oh. will you accept this rose <laughs> and my silver bullet Okay. I'd take a silver bullet for you, kiss his hand, and walks away from limo. <laughs> like the fan. <laughs> I okay. love that. It's like, I'm a model. I'm a fitness instructor. I'm a witch hunter. <laughs> Milady. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's great. So I guess the Bell Witch was kind of like not having it with this guy. She was like, piss off. And this guy was... Like, all of them were slapped by invisible forces. They were kicked. 
And then the witch hunter was pulled out the door by his nose. By his nose? By his nose, which is painful. By yeah. the, like, that sounds horrible. But she, like, oh especially God. was, like, mocking him. Right. He's like, oh, you're a witch hunter? <laughs> Try me. Right. <laughs> Try me, witch. Um, so they all left. They claimed that they would never set foot on the property again. And Jackson even said that he would rather fight the British than deal with the Bell Witch. Wow. Yeah. That's a statement. That is a statement, for sure. So the activity continues on for four years. Now, John is now approaching his 70s, and he started to have trouble eating, so he would have episodes that were likely, you know, today to be diagnosed as seizures, Mm -hmm. and apparently the witch liked to laugh at his misfortunes. She she really enjoyed laughing at other people's misery. His throat also swelled up, and he said that he had the feeling like there was a stick sideways in his throat. Oh, my God. Which is awful. Eventually, John Bell did die in 1820 at the age of 70. Wow. Their son, John Jr., found a bottle next to his father's bed and... They thought it was really peculiar. They hadn't seen it before, and they thought it might have been poison. So, sorry, this is horrible. John Jr., he was kind of a dick, and like I said, this is awful, but he gave some of it to their cat. No. And their cat died instantly. Not the kitty. I know. Oh. Anyway, sorry. So, the witch took full ownership for killing John. And she claimed, I gave a big dose of that last night and it fixed him. Oh, my God. So John Jr. threw the vial into the fireplace and it burst into bright blue flames and it shot out of the chimney. Oh, my God. Dramatic. At John's funeral, apparently you could hear the witch laughing and singing the whole time. Like it would not stop the entire funeral. Oh, my God. After his death, the activity died down and it until it turned its attention to the daughter Betsy again once she became engaged to a man named Joshua Gardner. Hmm. I don't know if she either like took a liking to Betsy or what her motivation was, but she basically like convinced Betsy to break off the engagement. Don't know what business she had. It's like, you just killed my father and now you're trying to break up my engagement. Like, it's not your life. It's Betsy's life. So petty. Like, I don't, I like was trying to figure out what her, like, they have no idea what her like motive was, you know, but uh, eventually like it worked. She convinced Betsy to break off her engagement. And after that, like activity died again and her husband moved to West Tennessee and then he like became really wealthy and then he died at like 84. So wow. once the activity died down again, she the the witch presented herself one more time and said, I will be back in seven years. And the activity stopped after that. Sure enough, in 1828, she returned to the home and she talked to John Jr. Oh no. She talked to him about the past, the present, and she was making predictions about the future. 
So I bet she was like, oh, hey, I was in town. Like, remember that time? Like, I slapped your sister and like, it was so much fun. (laughs) Um, Was this like a disembodied voice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, which can you imagine how annoying it is? Like, oh my god, she's here again. <laughs> Shut <laughs> like, up. Like, I'm just trying to cut these potatoes. Like, can you leave me alone? Can you not stop? So, like, that was pretty much it. Like, she just talked about the like past, like what was going on now, and then she was also talking to him about like future things. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing else like super malicious going on or anything. She then said, like, she's gonna leave but she'll be back in 107 years to visit John's most direct descendant at that time, which would have been in 1935. Mm-hmm. No additional tales from that date exist beyond the legend. So it is said that Kate never left, and she still haunts the ground to this day. So she always has been there, and she always will be there. And... I mentioned earlier, like, part of it is, you know, she could have been the spirit of the Native American and her, you know, burial ground was disturbed. Another thing was uh, their Kate Batts, who was their neighbor, the witch of this woman, or she was a witch, rather, was mad because she had originally owned the property and John Bell acquired it through, like, a bad business deal. So, like, she... She was completely ripped off. Oh, so wait, he bought the farm from someone named Kate Batts? Kate Batts was like their neighbor. Oh. So, but I guess, I don't know if it was because she was a woman and like she couldn't really have it or like it was something, some kind of business deal happened where she was completely ripped off because of John. Oh, I see. So, I think that like she was kind of like an outcast as it was or whatever, there's some different articles that tie back to that. So that's why she, like, was so diligent on, you know, tormenting this family because mm-hmm. she was gypped. Wow. So that is the story of the Bell Witch. That is so interesting. Wasn't there a cave or something? So there is a cave as well, and that is explored on Ghost Adventures, and it's nearby the property. Um, people can tour it now. It's like twelve dollars. I, I looked it up. Yeah, but it's said that that is where the the spirit went, like when she was on her off season, if you will. Like <laughs> she was just taking a break. Side. She's like, all right, that was a lot of fun. But you know, there was actually one legend I read when I was doing research on this was a bunch of the children, like the Bell children, went to the cave. And one of them got stuck in a hole, and apparently, like, the Bell Witch helped them out. Oh. So. Okay. Like, she really had beef for the dad, I guess. So she hated him, but she liked the kids? She, you know, she, I also read that uh, one time Lucy, I believe the mom, either the mom or the sister, like, got ill, and, like, the witch, they would hear the witch, like, singing hymns. Which is also really That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, but multiple sources said that. So I guess she like... Wow. So it's like the religion didn't repel her, basically. N- no, because like she knew religion. Like she would uh-huh. be able to like recite back religion and stuff too. Wow. So super wild. That's really... So it makes me think she wasn't like part of like the devil or something. You well, know? interestingly enough is 
she was kind of an like there were suspicions that she was kind of part of like the occult Mm. type thing Mm -hmm. or she like obviously like had some sort of witchcraft or Mm -hmm. some sort of obviously power if she could do all of that so there's not a I couldn't find a lot more it mainly talked about like the legend and what happened to the family Mm -hmm. was the neighbor Kate like dead this whole time do you know or was she like astral projecting herself <laughs> into their that's, house? That's what I think. I think she okay. was. I got you. Their dead neighbor. That makes sense. I I think that's what happened. Okay. Because obviously I would have like walked over there or like took right it, like, like and Kate, been like, can you on. like not? I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> so rude. Right. Please stop slapping my daughter. <laughs> so do people live in the house? Still? So now it is a historical site. No one lives there, but they give tours. Um, Let's go. So you can take a tour of the house. Road you can, trip. yeah. I'm I'm down. I mean, it's in Tennessee, so it's just one state down. Yeah. So I I think it's definitely spooky. It's like one of the oldest, you know, legends. It inspired a lot of different, you know, movies or or. Uh, it inspired the Blair Witch Project. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, the Blair Witch Project isn't, like, directly on the Bell Witch, but it was, like, kind of, like, the woods around it and, mm-hmm. like, that sort of thing. Yeah, super, super spooky. No, thanks for that one. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, that one always gives me goosebumps because it's just so, like, malicious and awful and, like... Yeah. Like, the fact that it was so intelligent that it can, like you know stop horses and yeah like all especially like all the creatures like moving around that's so weird um and like brewing potions in order to kill someone right like there it is it is the bell witch (laughs) what is (laughs) that it there it is folks there you have it well this one was a bit of a short episode but that's why it is Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all of you for tuning in. If you would like to suggest a future episode, if you just want to say hi, if you have a personal story, you can email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. Would you like to tell them how else to find us? Yes, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Anywhere you get your podcasts, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. We would love that. Means a lot. Means a lot. Seems and really simple, but it's actually... Yeah. We love it. Yeah. We love it. And tune in next week, too, for our Things We Wish We Learned in School hey. episode. We should also credit the people who. Oh my God! How could I forget? Yes, of course. Our theme music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and music production is Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. She's so great. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Erica. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. This is the Insomnia Report. Thanks so much for listening. Good night. Good night. Sweet dreams. Mm